0: Thank you for joining us for
1: another podcast from the Commonwealth Club. Good evening and welcome to today's meeting of the Commonwealth Club of California. I'm Denise Michaud, chair of the club's Grown Ups Forum and your host for today. We also welcome our listening audience and we invite everyone to visit us online at commonwealthclub.org. Our program tonight is... A Guide to Retirement Living Alternatives. And now it is my pleasure to introduce our distinguished speakers. Candice Milford, Managing Director of Marketing at Rhoda Goldman Plaza, and board member at Home with Growing Older. She was a former lead director of marketing at the Sequoias in San Francisco. John Milford, former executive director of San Francisco Towers, Principal of Heritage Consulting for Retirement Living, and co-founder of Tech Enhanced Life. He also leads a discussion group at the Commonwealth Club called Longevity Explorers, so please be sure to check it out. They talk about the future of aging. So we have two Bay Area experts here on retirement living. Please give a warm welcome.
2: Mm. Well, it's so good to see so many people that are interested in Looking at options for retirement living, I assure you there are many, and we'll look into them here in a few minutes. Um, one thing that we will not be covering is uh, low income or subsidized housing. That is a universe unto itself, and it'll be a separate program uh, because of the uh, vast subject matter that's available on that. So we need to we need to uh, stay away from uh, from that topic. Uh, first of all, though, how many uh, here? Um, expect to age in place at home? Show of hands? Yeah? About a third? About a third? Okay. Um, And how many have heard us speak before or one of our programs? Oh, yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Well, okay. Just a couple. So we're safe. (laughs) Uh, There are some innovations that we'll be talking about that that go beyond what we've spoken about uh, before, we'll be uh, covering two general areas of housing options. The first general area is aging in place in the place you call home. That would be a in your house, in your apartment, or wherever you call home, and whatever you know. It maybe has four wheels, but it's if you if you plan to age in place in home, that's one uh, area of. Uh, discussion. The other is community-based living, and that has to do with moving in to a place that specializes in uh, living for older people and in a group. When we opened San Francisco Towers, we learned that most people would prefer to stay at home if possible. 95% of the people who qualified to move into community living financially, socially, health-wise— Ninety-five percent opted to stay at home and not come in. And some of the reasons are obvious. Um, People want a sense of independence and privacy. One man told me that he did not want to come out his front door and look at somebody else's front door. (laughs) (laughs) Familiarity with daily routines, um, I know most of us get used to the space we live in. We know where things are. We have things set up so that uh, it it happens quickly on a daily basis. Uh, Perceived affordability. Many times um, we lose track of exactly how much it really is costing us to live at home and think that when we see so many thousand dollars a month to be staying in a retirement community, it seems like so much money. But with a little study, a person can see that it's really not as affordable to stay at home, especially when home starts needing serious maintenance and repairs. Accumulation of possessions. There are people that have lived in a home for 40, 50, 60 years. And I went through this and think, how can I move anywhere? I mean, how can I deal with all these belongings and getting rid of them and sorting them out and so forth. And then wait till the, the, the child that you think you're going to give this to says, Dad, I don't want that. <laughs> and then neighbor, neighborhood services. People get used to their neighborhood services, their hairdresser, um, shops, shops. Um, Uh, entertainment, other venues where you get your car fixed. People are used to their neighborhood services and they don't like moving away from that. So um, most people at first blush would really rather stay home and be independent and have a sense of independence. Now, I have something to say about that because from my experience in working with people moving to community living and watching what's happened along the way, um, I realize that change is a natural enemy to independence. You can be independent in your home for long enough to get quite comfortable with being independent. But what we have to keep in mind is that change is always happening. And we have to keep an eye on change. Um, here's a story that's a true story. And um, it kind of illustrates how change can catch up with you. In 1996, it was a year before we opened San Francisco Towers. And we had people that had reservations on most of the apartments there. We had one couple, a physician and his wife. He was a, an eminent surgeon here in San Francisco. And they had reserved a spacious 11th floor apartment. It was actually like a, a penthouse apartment in the building, quite uh, prime real estate During the development period, and as the building neared completion, we were preparing people for occupancy by helping them prepare to move in. And when the time came, they canceled their reservation and said that they preferred to wait for something bigger and better. A few years after that, the doctor himself was hospitalized for treatment of a broken neck incurred from a fall down a circular staircase in his Pacific Heights home. He was transferred from the hospital to our nursing unit and to, to convalesce. And I went to see him. I went to visit him at his bedside and he was wearing a halo brace to immobilize his neck. And he implored me to take him and his wife as Towers' residents, saying, Money is no object, John. I just wrote a check last week to the foundation of the Yale Medical School for $25 million. Sadly, we couldn't accept him because he didn't qualify anymore for the health standards to come in to life care. Not many months after that, his wife fell on the same stairs and broke her back. So they did eventually move, but not where they expected to move. They went to a nursing home. What happened? What happened here? What happened was that time changes things. And from going Along a, a course of being independent, uh, challenges come up, and it, it, you have to really pay attention. Physical changes make stairs into an obstacle. Driving becomes dangerous or impossible, especially at night. By the way, my residents who were men were very popular, and they were most popular if they had a driver's license and would drive at night. <laughs> Overseas travel becomes onerous, and all this is unthinkable when we're housed in a body that does what we're used to it doing. But when it stops doing what we're used to it doing, trouble comes along. Change is the natural enemy of independence. So it's okay to live independently at home, but just keep your eye on change. Uh, One of the things that I've seen in the literature, and I think kind of highlights what this is all about, is called life stage denial. A lot of times people don't prepare for change because we don't think we're ready yet. You know, I'm, I'm 83, but I feel like I'm 39, so what's the problem? In youth, we can outrun change and stay beyond its reach. But as we age, we change, and change has been stalking us, catches up with us like a rogue wave at a seashore. So, my advice is never turn your back on the aging process. Pay attention. If you're going to stay at home alone, pay attention. All right. Now, here's something from industry that uh, was, illustrates this uh, study and change. And this has to do with the Swiss watch industry. Who remembers Accutron watches? Accutron by Bulova. Accutron watches came out in the 60s. And the Swiss watch industry ignored them. Electronic watches got to be quite a thing in the market. And what happened to the watch industry was they went from selling 84 million units a year down to 4 million a year in 10 years because the electronic watch industry was eating their lunch. So... What the Swiss did was came out with their own electronic watch called the Swatch. You may remember that. They're colorful, they're inexpensive and popular, and it got the watch Swiss watch industry back on its feet and gave people what they really wanted uh, to see on their product, and that's uh, handmade or made in Switzerland, Swiss-made. Okay, so... It's not just about health, it's about business, it's about almost anything. If you don't pay attention, things get away from you. Okay, here are some reasons why people move away from their homes.
0: Well, in my experience, um, two of the most common reasons in San Francisco for leaving your home are stairs and taking out the trash. Both are sometimes the tipping point, literally, to people finally deciding it's time to come in. It's just, it's a fall hazard. Um, You can stay, obviously, in your home uh, with in-home care, and I hope you go through an agency when you do that rather than Craigslist, because that is fraught with issues, Um, but at thirty five to forty dollars an hour, that can add up pretty quickly. Um, not to scare you, but just to give you an idea uh, let's say you need four hours a day. It runs thirty five to forty dollars an hour, and figure that 's every day for a month. So it comes out to about eleven twenty a week that 's for four hours a day. eight hours you're up to twenty two forty. Get up to twenty four seven and now you 're talking about sixty seven hundred approximately a week that's way more expensive than moving from your home and going into a community where they can provide that service service for much less um John mentioned that the neighborhoods change. You know, young people, your your friends pass away or they move away. Younger people move in. No one talks to you anymore. My own godmother finally moved from her home into the towers because... Uh, no one would acknowledge her on her street anymore. She lived in Lower Pacific Heights. She'd been there for years, and everybody had gone, and she was a hole in their space. They didn't look at her. She didn't exist, and it was, it was the first time I saw her cry in my entire life. So she decided that was time for her to move. Also, we talked earlier about um, cost to maintain your home. Obviously, it's more expensive than we sometimes realize. At the Sequoias, I got a call one day from a woman in the Chicago airport. And she said, Candice, I'm ready to move in. And I said, what happened? She said, I just got a call from my plumber again. I'm in an airport and the the water heater burst. And I'm tired of it. I can't deal with it. Sign me up and they moved in. So sometimes it's things that you don't expect to happen. They do, and that's the tipping point for the move.
2: For people aging in place at home, uh, there's been a grassroots movement. Many of you may have heard of the Village Movement. How many have heard of the Village Movement? Ah, at least half. Good. The Village Movement started uh, in Boston, and it was a group of middle class folks who were talking to one another about. Um, getting older, and they realized that for the wealthy, they'll have what they need. They'll have it at home, or they'll go where they want to go. They can afford it. And the not-so-well-off, the, the people with very low income, um, will have government-provided services of some kind or another. But they were in the middle. What about us? So they got uh, made an organization among themselves where they banded together, they agreed to check on one another, to volunteer, to uh, do services one for the other, and so forth. And um, they would do activities and, and things of that nature. And it, I think they, you know, they paid a small fee every month to cover the expenses of doing it, and it seemed really popular. Now there are several villages here now in San Francisco, depending on part of the city. But, you know, before there was a village in San Francisco, and this is true too, there was a lady that lived in one of the Victorian houses and uh, she got to a point where she lived alone and when her light bulb would go out uh, overhead, she didn't feel safe getting up on a chair to change it. So, she would call for fast food. And when the (laughs) When the fella came to deliver, came to deliver the food or the sandwich, she'd have a light bulb in her hand, and she'd say, young man, would you mind changing this light bulb for me? And it, it always worked. So it's not just about people getting together, it's about ingenuity, isn't it? The village movement. I think now there are probably 200 villages either in existence or in formation across the country. Uh, Another thing about the village movement that was interesting was that property managers here in San Francisco that ran large residential buildings would actually pay for residents to be in the San Francisco village because the, the building managers then didn't have to worry about being called for things that really wasn't in their job description as people were aging. So they, you know, they would call the, the village and, and get things taken care of that way. Very interesting uh, side development. Then there are Norks. Norks. A Nork is a naturally occurring retirement community. Um, I have a picture here of the Brocco Bank, but there are other buildings that are the same, and that's where people, um, a, lot of, a lot of times because of rent control, um, will age in place in a building. And the uh, building w- average age in the building will get higher and higher and higher over time. And that happens in neighborhoods, too, some places. Naturally occurring retirement communities.
0: Okay, now we're going to get real. Home sharing or living communally is not a new concept. Obviously, uh, YMCAs, SROs, which are single residency, uh, resident occupancy and boarding houses, have been around for a long time but there's a lot of people now who um well we have this huge aging bubble happening there's not enough affordable housing around i get i can't tell you how many calls i get a month from people who are being asked to leave their rent controlled apartments and are, they call and say are you an option and i ask them what their rent is which is $1,500, $2,000. They've been there a long, long time, up on Broadway of all places. Should I move? And I say, no, no, you need to stay there because there is absolutely nothing out there unless you consider something like home sharing. Or in one case, I said, have you considered leaving California? I know that sounds brutal. And believe me, this woman did not take kindly to this statement at all she said i've lived independently all my life and there's no way i'm going to share a place with anybody else but practically speaking there's just not enough affordable options and there are more and more people whose buildings are being converted here in san francisco more and more calls so we really have to look take our vision and dream uh as we 've painted it, and consider other options, so they we 'll talk about a few of them here. Um, Home Match is actually a joint venture between the uh, umbrella company of the Sequoia San Francisco. It used to be called Northern California Presbyterian Homes and Services. Now it is called Sequoia living Sequoia living and what is now called Covia, which used to be Episcopal Senior Communities, have joined together to create this program. Uh, it's a not-for-profit, and it's based on a national model. They didn't invent it. It's based on something that exists, where they're connecting a homeowner with extra rooms with seekers of affordable housing. And they do uh, a background check. Um, they uh, they do some demographic uh, analysis to understand temperaments and backgrounds, etc., likes and dislikes, and they try and match like-minded people. Um, homeowners can benefit from the income or get help with chores, grocery shopping, pet care, transportation. So it's a nice way also to give back to the community. The other thing that you, you know about is that teachers and some of the service workers who can't afford to live anywhere near San Francisco are commuting long distances. Some of them even live in their cars at the job site. Um, this is a way they could live closer to where they work and everyone benefits. Um, Silver. This is a not-for-profit. There's a for-profit that's just kind of shown up recently called Silver Nest. It's um, and all of these are the links that we're going to give you. Um, so don't worry about remembering the names. Um, it's a not-for-profit. I mean, it is a for-profit based out of Colorado. Um, they're just now coming into California, mainly in S- Los Angeles. But there are a few homes, if you go on the site, and you'll see they're over in the East Bay, but very few. So these are the kinds of home matching, uh, but a for-profit. The other one is based in San Mateo. It's a little bit different. It's called HIP Housing. That means Human Investment Project. And it uh, helps people who have special needs either for income, circumstance, to live independently uh, in a decent, safe, and low-cost home. Over in Marin, uh, you, you see more of these all the time. You don't see them from the street. Um, they're actually behind homes. An accessory dwelling unit is the legal and regulatory term. For a secondary house, either behind the principal home or it could be within the home with its own separate entrance. It's pretty familiar. Remember the old hardware store and they lived upstairs? This isn't new. A lot of this isn't new. It's just taking on a different, um, look. Uh, this particular one we're very familiar with, um, a friend of ours owns it. It's uh, 500 square feet. It was bought as a uh, as a package and shipped out, uh, assembled on site. They had to pour a foundation and get permits, of course. But what you're buying for about $100,000 is the shell. And then you have to finish the interior with the floors the lighting they they did a custom bathroom so you can customize them but that nickel is on you uh so they're pretty much prefab units um in Corte Madera sadly, the former Lily Pond Homes, which is now defunct. But they did a lot of groundwork and paved the way with the uh, people in Marin at the county level to shorten the permitting process. So they did leave a good legacy behind. I don't know what happened, that they aren't around today, but uh, they've been able to uh, get per- uh, homeowners' permission more quickly to convert let's say, uh, a room in their home with its own entrance. They'll build a kitchen. And so it's really a whole separate little unit um, unto its own. And again, they can benefit from, um, the, they're, they're completely private, or they can do some sort of sharing of, of responsibilities. That's up to them. Um, Minka Homes is kind of new. Um, it's a 3D-printed home. They're being manufactured in upstate New York right now. Um, The one that you see in the picture is a little bigger. It's 640 square feet. uh, So they actually have a separate bedroom. In the first ADU, it's just one big room divided up. And again, it's 100K plus shipping, foundations, and permits. So this is something that's uh, becoming more and more prevalent, we've found. Then we have tech. Tech has been a mis- mixed blessing. It's created a housing nightmare on top of the nightmare we already have. And yet, some of those, uh, of them, the young people are, are developing new solutions for, uh, themselves to live in while they are working their brains out 24 hours a day and they need a place to go and live. But they don't necessarily want to have to buy everything to furnish the home because, remember, it's a mobile generation. IKEA is what they're all about. They don't want to accumulate things. They want to go buy it, live in it, and when they leave, they just leave it behind and go buy more when wherever they go next. In this case, we have... Um well actually four, three are on the slide, but We Live, Ollie Co Living, Common Co. and WOW fifty. These are all uh community based rentals or lease agreements. They're furnished and they come with services and each one has a little different point of view. We live as in New York and DC right now only. Uh, they offer a few days to a few months, from studios to four bedrooms. And they have very high-end Italian finishes. So we take care of that group. They have a tech-controlled environment. that You can tell this is really for techies. And they even have an app to access community features. They have a receptionist or concierge, housekeeping fitness center, residential lounge, and a chef kitchen. Um, that's kind of on the high end of things. Um, all a co-living, uh, as you can see, is right now in New York, Pittsburgh, L.A., and Boston. It's, again, a co-living with community engagement. It's more hotel-like. Um, same thing, monthly housekeeping. They have a s- social club membership that comes with it, high-speed Wi-Fi, guest lectures, yoga, gym, and many of those things appeal to us, actually. So this isn't just for them, but we're building up towards WOW 50. Uh, Common Co., they offer private rooms in a furnished community um they're in they're actually here in San Francisco uh the only one of those three New York DC Chicago and Seattle uh, they have property managers they stock the kitchen with pots and pans they have laundry on site they 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 have a lot of social activities movie nights so they're trying to uh create community within these uh, rental properties and then wow 50 that's for those of us 50 plus or better and it's defined as a modern urban lifestyle and it's they call it a co-housing environment but in a minute we're going to really tell you about co-housing it's really a co-living environment um, and very similar to the others in their amenities in fact We are here now at Co-Housing and I was delighted to be contacted by Phoenix Commons, which is a community over in Oakland and we have three Where are you? Yeah, there they are. Three members of the Phoenix Common Co-Housing are here. So, if you want really real-life data on what is it like to live in a community that is co-housing, please talk to them afterwards. These are. This was a trend started in Denmark, and it's growing. And it's a way to create what is called an intentional community. A man named Charles Durrett. Uh, is sort of considered the godfather in the United States of this movement and has been the architect and planner behind many of them. And there are more in the Bay Area than you would realize. It's pretty interesting. In the East Bay, we have Phoenix Commons and Swan's Way. Swan's Way is in Oakland, and that's a uh a marketplace it was built in 1917 and repurposed into a co-housing community in the north bay we have frog song and katati C- a friend of mine lives there uh in and 970 C street in nevado is currently in development right now and it's on the uh site of the hamilton field um these are people usually in their 60s planning ahead to find land and like-minded people and work together to plan their future home together. Uh, So it can take many years. The other option is you can buy into an existing one if they have a unit available. But from what I understand, you do have to uh, be approved by the people who live there to make sure you're like-minded. Um, and they're generally, they're, they're condominiums, meaning private homes. Uh, they're usually attached with common areas. I haven't been to Phoenix, but I know up at Frog Song, they have a central walkway, which is designed for you to park your car, and you have to walk by everybody, uh, by everybody's front porch on the way to your home. And so you get to know everybody. It's a very friendly kind of community, but it does come with some tasks. You must volunteer. So many hours a week um, to the community, either through cooking or other chores that are age appropriate for you. Um, And you can ask our uh, people in the uh, audience more about that. Uh last thing I'm going to talk about for now, I think, is uh, community-based living rental month-to-month. Just so you know, there aren't many of these things. I get asked this question a lot. Where can I just rent month-to-month where it's dedicated to people 60 and older? The one example that I'll use is the Broadmoor. You may have heard of it. It's on Sutter Street, Sutter and Goff. Um, it's privately owned, so it's for profit. Um, and it comes with some services. They're furnished apartments. They're small. They come with one or more meals, housekeeping, some activities. Um, There was another one called Peninsula del Rey, which is in Daly City. They have since got... um, qualified for an RCFE, Residential Care for the Elderly license, because they couldn't fill it as a rental, so they got the assisted living license um, on top of that. The reason I mention it now is that they still do have some strictly month-to-month rentals with services. You get the meals and all of that and the housekeeping, and they have a few below-market-rate the apartments there, which is very unusual. Um, and occasionally they do come available. So I wanted to mention that because uh, you, it's hard to find below-market-rate apartments. Um, then you have assisted living. That's the niche where I work now. It's Rhoda Goldman Plaza. Uh, there are about 13 or so assisted living communities in San Francisco. And it this is an example of assisted living and memory caring. It's a nonprofit. People choose to come here either because, well, uh, they've been declined at a CCRC. When I moved from the Sequoias to Rhoda Goldman, I knew 20% of the people who lived there, to my great surprise, be- to, because they had been declined medically. The bar for medical qualification at a CCRC is much higher. Continuing Care Retirement Community, CCRC. At a place like Rhoda Goldman, the bar is lower. We say, look, we're all aging. The building was designed to meet the mobility, the eyesight, the um, cognitive decline. And so every, you know, we do qualify because there are certain things we cannot handle. But there they go. It's a mix of independent all the way through uh, memory care. Mild cognitive impairment is rampant. So we happily finish your sentences and give you words. It's part of the daily life. <laughs> and we expect it. If the average age of the person is 86, what do you expect? It's just part of life. Um, Rhoda Goldman and Almavia are the only two not-for-profits in this space in San Francisco. The rest being owned by... REITs, usually, or big franchises that are national. So those come with their whole set of issues. It's more a template kind of stamp that's put on the local community. There are very few standalones like Rhoda Goldman. Uh, it is owned and operated by itself. Therefore, no REIT in their right mind would want to acquire it. Um And it's designed to add services on an ad-needed basis for care for the activities of daily living or the ADLs. And again, it's a service-rich environment, meals, programming, lifelong learning, transportation, on and off-site, et cetera. And you can stay there through end-of-life through a hospice waiver. So it is a good solution for some people. And finally, some people actually choose to come here over a CCRC to uh, uh, an assisted living place because of the large entry fee is a uh, barrier to some people and they don't want their capital tied up. You are listening to the Commonwealth Club of California. Hear thousands of our podcasts on iTunes, Google Play and Stitcher. And when you're in the Bay Area, please join us live for one of our 500 programs each year. You can find us online at commonwealthclub.org. Now, back to our program.
2: Some other options um, include um, planned adult communities, 55 and plus. These are for active adults. They don't have any care services or anything like that. Um, I'm thinking that um, the classic is Ross Moore in Walnut Creek, Crossmore is uh, uh, population is almost ten thousand people. Uh, they have sixty-seven hundred condos and rentals, golf's, sports, dining, clubs, entertainment, active adult living, and uh, more recently, Del Webb in Cloverdale has uh, many separate homes. I don't know if they have uh, connected housing, but they have uh, separate uh, separate family separate homes. But again, it's it's all about fifty-five plus active adult living. So that's that's an option. Um, affinity-based housing. Come right on up here and tell us about it.
0: Okay. <laughs> well, many of the things I'm going to mention aren't here in San Francisco, but we've included it here because there's a lot of creativity to for uh, in the boomer generation as we retire. We want it on our own terms, and this is a classic uh, case of, and we call it, affinity housing. So, for example, in uh, Southern California, you, NOHO stands for North Hollywood Senior Artist Community. It's a wonderful community, much like the uh, Burbank Senior Arts Colony. Um, each one has media classes. They have... Um, stage and theater, dancing, writing. So it's for people who uh, enjoy the arts. You may or may not know about the Motion Picture and Television Fund's retirement campus in Woodland Hills. Every now and then somebody pops up in the news who's retired to It's the Wasserman camp- campus. And you have to have been in the TV or motion picture industry for 15 years or more. Anyone qualify? <laughs> anyway... Um, by the way, Rhoda Goldman Plaza could be considered, uh, an affinity community because these communities in this, uh, space are, are formed for like-minded people in terms of interest, profession, or religion. And I say religion because Rhoda Goldman was started in the Jewish faith. It is open to all. Um, You may or may not know that the Sequoias was started in the Presbyterian faith, and the San Francisco Towers in the Episcopal faith. But the trend has been to move away from the the faith-basedness of these, and that's why the rebranding is Covia and Sequoia Living, um, to make the point that they're welcoming to all. Uh, UBRCs are university-based retirement communities. These are really interesting I think the local one that you might uh, know about would be at UC Davis or down in Portola Valley. There's a Sequoia's Portola Valley. It's right across the highway from Stanford. So guess who lives there? A lot of retired Stanford professors. So like-minded people tend to go to them. The one I have listed here, Lassell Village in Newton, Massachusetts, I use because in the contract that you sign at that community, you must uh, do 450 hours of volunteer time or cl- take classes. That's part of what you agree to. So again, these are people who love lifelong learning or like to volunteer. Um, the And then the last few, which are really kind of fun and very niche-oriented, Escapees Care in Livingston, Texas, those are for you RVers out there. If you need skilled nursing, and you go for a surgery, you can roll right in, and they'll provide nurses for a short time for you to recuperate up to a few months. You pay a nominal fee. It's something like $825. It's very reasonable. Um, then you have many uh, LGBT communities, either starting. They're having a little trouble staying put. But we do have open house here in San Francisco. Up at Fountain Grove, that was started as a strictly LGBT community, but it didn't fill up as that, so now it's open to all. Um then we have Nellcrest. That's what John was referring to. That's the National Association of Retired Postal Workers. But Then the final one I'm going to mention is Lake We're Living, and this is America's toy-friendly community where this is their motto, you live where you ride, and they have RV garage homes where you can put your RV, your boats, your motorcycles, and your vintage cars.
2: Next we'll move to uh, continuing care retirement communities. But before we start into that, we'll just be brief with it. Um, I don't know if you know about it, but there was a movement to develop a CCRC with a Zen heritage here. Did you know that? Anybody know people that were involved in that? I do. And uh, that was uh, searched out for a couple of years. It actually came to looking at properties and uh, working out programs and things like that. But in accordance with their philosophy, nothing materialized. (laughs) (laughs) Continuing care retirement communities... uh, Typically, there's um, an entry fee that's prepaid to come in, and um, it's a stiff entry fee. It's usually, nowadays, around a half million to as much as you'd like to pay um, <laughs> to come in. And uh, then there's a monthly fee for services that go on. Um, the, the The prepayment fee uh, pays for a portion of the uh, cost of the building and... and uh, uh, debt service, and then um, uh, it's like future medical care. So uh, I, the IRS has always, and up until recently, I don't know what they do now, but um, the IRS usually recognizes a third of the entry fee as prepaid medical expense. So in the year that you pay that big uh, chunk of money, um, there is sometimes a tax benefit depending on what your tax preparer tells you. Um, Uh, traditionally they were not equity, so you'd pay the entry fee and they keep the money. The two most common things that people said when we opened San Francisco Towers, the parents would come in and look at the apartment and say, I never knew it would be so small. And the adult children would come to me and say, you mean you keep the money? (laughs) There are uh, mostly non-refundable contracts, but in recent years the trend has been uh, toward uh, uh, repayable or refundable contracts that amortize over the first five years. So there there could can be some money coming back. Um, CCRCs were uh, t- typically providing every level of care in one building or on one campus. So if you needed to have uh, assisted living or skilled nursing, it was right there. You didn't have to go across town to have it. It was all in the package. Uh, Now, providers are transitioning away from skilled nursing and wanting to have that by contract with an outside skilled nursing place. So we talked about entry fees, non-refundable. Refundable Refundable or repayable? Now, here's an industry thing. Refundable doesn't mean the same thing as repayable. And uh, I want to use a, a story to explain how things can be different, and then I'll tell you what that all means. Um, this is about a semantic contest that took place in uh, London. No English dictionary has been able to explain adequately the difference between the two words complete and finished. In a recent contest attended by the best in the world, Sam Sundar Balgobin, a Guyanese man, was a clear winner with a standing ovation that lasted over five minutes. His final question was this, how to explain the difference between complete and finished in a way that's easy to understand. Some people say there's no difference between complete and finished. Here is his astute answer. When you marry the right woman, you are complete. When you marry the wrong woman, you are finished. (laughs) refundable and repayable kind of go down that road. (laughs) Refundable means that the entry fee or a portion of it is paid immediately on demand when the contract is met. Repayable means it may be paid, but maybe only if the unit is resold and when it's resold. So there can be a long wait, and uh, the heirs and assigns are not real happy with that. Um, The application process for CCRCs involves several things, financial, suitability, and health qualifications. And um, one of the things to remember in a CCRC is that there are protections by contract and by statute when people come in to make sure that the business is stable and that people are going to be taken care of. But the other side of that is that independence in a licensed environment is limited. In other words, there are certain conditions that may arise in health that make it not possible for a person to stay in independent living anymore. It's not safe. And then they need to be moving to a higher level of care. So you have protections under the law. You also have responsibilities under the law to to move within there, and and that uh, can get to be a, a hot spot. Entrusting yourself to a management company is something that has to be remembered when you go into a CCRC or other type of organization that runs uh, senior housing. Uh, uh, Management companies uh, come and go, and some are better than others. So it does uh, require some due diligence to, to check the company out before making a commitment. Uh, social uh, requirements. Really, in, in order to select a CCRC or a, a multi-level retirement community that suits you, it's best just to go take a look at more than one. You'll know where you're comfortable and you'll know where uh, you, you want to go or you'll know for sure you don't want to go. Um, for example, people go to the dining room and they see people with assistive devices in the dining room. And when I was at the towers, there were two lawsuits working their way through California. One had to do with a person who was suing the organization because they didn't allow walkers in the dining room for safety reasons. They didn't want anybody to trip and fall. The other lawsuit was a resident who tripped and fell over a walker in a dining room who was uh, suing the management for allowing it. So, you know, these are the types of things to think about. The others a dress code. Some are fancy, some are not. Our mortality rate at San Francisco Towers was less than some of the other CCRCs. And after a while, it began to dawn on me it was probably because of our dress code in the dining room. You couldn't come to the dining room, men, without a coat and tie. And I had heard that on several occasions the Grim Reaper had appeared at the dining room and been turned away because he didn't have a coat and tie. <laughs>
0: I'm putting this chart up here. Just um, it, It's going to be s- similar but different than what we're going to pass out later. But to make a point that when you're looking at pricing and you make your nice little spreadsheet and you do something like this where you have an equity... A model like the Carlisle, where you own the condominium, or a CCRC like the Sequoias, where it's an entry fee model and you don't own it, or the Village, which is just a, a, a membership fee. The Broadmoor month-to-month rental versus uh, an assisted living community. And I highlighted, uh, these are all examples of a, the price of a small one-bedroom in each type. So... If you just look at the numbers you can say oh my gosh Goldman Plaza is the most expensive that's off my list and then you go well it makes the case for me staying home it's only 60 months to be part of this village um so my point in this is you need to ask as you're visiting these different places what is behind those numbers at the Sequoias for example, and at the at Rhoda goldman the monthly fee can be affected by the side of the building how tall how high it is in the building whether it has a view the square feet um, so there are many factors that go in there um, you also need to Ask. It is provided in the contract, but that's the very last. You don't want to wait until you're signing the contract to find the, out the five-year history of fee increases because every single one of these communities is going to have a monthly fee increase, usually three to five or more percent a year. Um, so, and that needs to be factored in as you're doing your financial projections to make sure that you can afford whatever you choose. Um Also, you know, in the Carlisle, for example, it, the monthly fee is only what forty six hundred dollars, but you need to make sure you add in the HOA fee, the homeowners association fee, and the property tax. And by the time you do that, you're twenty six percent more, or fifty four twenty a month. So these are the kinds of things you really need to uh, delve into a little more carefully. If you have a financial planner, that would be a great thing to uh, run over uh, with them before you sign on the line. Um, these um, Ask what the extra costs are. For example, in the rental assisted living, there's a base fee. And if you need additional care, it is available through nursing staff But you pay an extra fee for what we call the activities of daily living, which is medication management, bathing, clothing, dressing, escorting. Those all cost extra on an as needed basis, temporarily, or for the balance of your life. So, do ask those questions. Um, also, uh, at the Sequoias now, I know that they are having offering in apartment, uh, assisted living services, which they didn't when I was there only three years ago. So make sure you know what those extra costs are because I think they charge by the quarter hour or something like that and they can add up. The reason that happened is that as John mentioned in CCRCs, when you reach a level of acuity in the old days, you were supposed to move from independent to assisted to memory care or nursing. Now people are saying, but I want to have the services in my apartment. So they are offering them, but they're charging more for them uh, for that. Um, Anyway, I'm not going to go over every one of these in great detail. I just wanted to give you a snapshot just to make the point that it isn't always what you see. The other thing, too, is ask what the staffing is like. Um, Here's something pretty astonishing you'll never hear elsewhere. Where I work today it 's a nonprofit It was important to me to work in a f- mission driven environment, and I needed proof. Well, we have one hundred and fifty people who live there. We have one hundred forty three full time staff, sixty of which are care care staff. Um, ask what the staffing is that, where you go because it, especially in a need driven environment. They don't, there is no law requiring you to have so many people per person. So the more you have, the more you pay, but the better care you get.
2: Candice, we have to wrap up. I know there'll be questions.
0: Oh, okay. Ideas to consider then. Just in wrapping up. Uh, make sure that as you're planning your estate, uh, consider future uh, housing research in it. Um, be open to choices that may not fit you comfortably, like the woman I told you who uh, offered her either a home-sharing option or leaving California, and that didn't go well with her. Um, be realistic in your expectations of size and services. Everybody wants their home to fit into an apartment in a community living environment, and it won't work. It doesn't matter where you go, unless you go to the V down in Palo Alto and spend a few million dollars. But realistically, your apartment's going to be smaller. You will have to downsize. And so you need to be psychologically ready for it. Um, So just keep that in mind. And um, you were going to talk
2: about... I was going to talk about my friend Ben Franklin. I haven't seen Ben for a while. But ben, ben said it best. He said, failure to plan is planning to fail. So you're doing the right thing by looking ahead, making your plans, thinking about it.
1: Anyone have questions? Yeah, I've gone around and looked um, way in
0: advance yeah. since I my mother didn't do that. Anyway, um, I have been concerned about the issue of having dogs. Um, and the only place... I mean, the Sequoias, I know they emphasized about the size of the dogs. The Towers did the same. And that's really a concern of mine, even though I definitely plan to eventually move. Um, I would want my, I have two dogs, medium and small. And anyway, I... I'm sure that's been a, something that's come up for you before. Well, it will narrow your choices yes. for sure. Um, I don't know any community that takes more than one animal, and they're usually 25 pounds or smaller. Um, especially in a more frail environment like Roto Goldman Plaza, if you don't manage that animal and realize that the animal is experiencing as much change as you are, and if you leave it there and go about your business as usual, that's where you have problems. So, um,
2: at the towers, we started out with no animals were allowed, and then I had to I had to relent, and I said, okay, you may have a dog, but it has to be as smaller than a golf ball. <laughs> and then we set a 25-pound limit, but that didn't last long, and we had full poodles there. And it really it comes down to whether a person can care for their pet and keep it from being a nuisance to other people.
0: I have a question about health care in the CCNRs. If someone has a chronic disease or needs surgery or needs specialized uh, medical care, do they need, to, they need to carry their own outside health insurance?
2: More and more that's true. Um, in a classic life care contract, and there's only a couple left anymore, and I think Sequoia Care still has life care contracts, um, that's not necessary. But so many of the CCRCs encourage uh, incoming residents to have their supplemental policy
0: yeah i think at the sequoias they'll pay the co-payments and deductibles of medicare covered services but i don't think that's part of the lifetime contract which you can get at the uh, san francisco towers notice life care versus lifetime linguistics again so be sh- be sure to ask those specific questions that's when right. you're interviewing wherever If you, you move go. to the
2: right community you're complete if you move to the wrong community, you're finished. <laughs> is
0: for the uh, the ones with the non-equity, are, is uh, fire or earthquake insurance included in the monthly fees, or do people typically insure their, I guess, almost an investment separately? And then, are the monthly fees indexed to inflation, or are
2: they fixed for the lifetime of the person? With the insurance, generally, it's um, the building has an, a master policy. And then the individual residents have policies that cover the interior and possessions in the unit. So that's the individual responsibility. The other, it's built into the monthly.
0: What was the second part of that question? Uh,
2: Are the monthly fees indexed to inflation, or are they indexed to the lifetime? Neither. (laughs) Yeah, monthly fees are, are adjusted based on projected cost of services for the year to come, so it's a guess. I've heard that there's a growing problem in staff turnover in these places. Have you noticed that? Staff turnover is a good question to ask. Because it seems to be a growing problem. It's a growing problem because there's uh, more and more demand. And in a prosperous economy like this, most people can make a lot more money going to work in the hotels and the hospitality industry than they do in the retirement care industry. And so it's hard to recruit and keep people. So asking what the rate of turnover is, and don't ask a salesperson that question. Ask the manager. I know
0: what the sequoias, the towers, few of the... Um, like Rhoda Goldman, the staff is pretty stable. It's the certified nursing assistant uh, group that's very difficult to come by, and yet there's a shortage of these kinds of communities, so they're building more, and the question is where are you going to get the staff because there's not enough to go around right now. So it's a very good question. Mm
2: -hmm. Uh, Long-term care insurance, some of us have that, and I'm wondering if it's typical that these organizations allow you to apply the uh, premium or whatever you you would get in benefits towards. They provide rather than having to pay all of it out of pocket.
0: Well, what? we we were um, advised never to give financial advice like that. But but the the truth of the matter is, if you have a claim, you can claim it through your policy, and and it may or may not cover it. So just be sure to look at that cover page of the policy. I know it, at the assisted living places, part of the rent and definitely part the uh, activities of daily living can be used or covered by your policy, but uh, as far as the CCRCs...
2: Um, well, that's true, and the other side is true, too. If you want to stay in your independent apartment and you, and you have to have some help to stay independent, you may be able to make a claim on your long-term care policy to make it possible to stay in your apartment for much longer because of the economics of the uh, payment.
1: I'm curious, are you able to describe the disaster recovery plans that places like the Sequoia and the Towers have? Uh, can you describe what would happen uh, if there's an earthquake, uh, a devastating earthquake?
2: Yeah, every, every senior community has to have a, di- a disaster plan, a disaster recovery plan. And it's usually as basic as if you have to evacuate the building, you have to have arrangements with other locations for people to go so that you're just not out on the sidewalk. And then as far as the economic recovery goes, that's individual to the uh, to the organization, and that's a good question to ask.
0: In the community where I work now, when you move in, you get a big yellow bag, and it's full of a Mylar cover, a flashlight. We ask you to get your meds, an extra stash of meds. So it's like a, an emergency kit that will go with you. Uh, and and these are practice. These are not just plans in a binder that says, okay, we've had the earthquake. Let's see, page 22. No, we practice them. We actually pretend that they're happening, and we do live uh, practices. I was wondering how far ahead somebody needs to start planning for in terms of um, applying and what length of time wait lists might be and if any of that wait list information is on your sheet that would be helpful too we don't put it on there because um it it, it fluctuates i think at the towers i'm not sure what they're saying today but it's several years if you want a large apartment same is true of the uh, at the sequoias um we have a curious situation at the Road Golden Plaza. These communities, assisted living memory care, never have wait lists, and we have 71 on ours. Um, that's about, honestly, about a year wait. If you consider the attrition 30 to 50% a year, ours is 12%, so it doesn't move a lot, thus the longer wait. So it just depends on the community. So the sooner you do it, the better. You don't want it to be a knee-jerk reaction to a medical event or something, because they can happen to any of us at any time. It's better to gather the information now, even if you don't need it. Pretend you're doing it for uh, someone's parent, even if it's for you. It makes it a little less onerous.
2: This isn't really a question. I just wanted to say a couple of uh, questions that came up here with how it works at Phoenix Commons. And one thing is uh, the question about whether you can have pets and And we have about 40 residents, and we have about 25 dogs and cats. And if you go on vacation, there's always a volunteer that will take care of your cat or dog while you're gone. Um, Another thing is uh, uh, with regard to earthquake or emergency preparedness. We're now in the fourth month of a 14-month program where each month we do something special about getting prepared for some type of emergency that may come up. So we've got everybody to get a go bag and get yep. it prepared and know how to use it. We do a first aid, we do and it's just a monthly right. thing to keep things going. Right.
0: Yeah, the assumption is not if but when. And that's why all
1: these communities have plans and they're practiced. Our thanks to John Melford and Candice Milford for their comments here today. That was fun. We also thank our listening audience here as well as those listening to the recording. And now this meeting of the Commonwealth Club of California commemorating its 116th year of enlightened discussion is adjourned.